Good afternoon to everyone out there. It's just clocked past 4pm this Sunday, and you are tuned to the first airing of The Music in Exile, Tote Residency Gone Online. What was originally going to be a month-long Friday residency at the front bar and beer garden has now been swept up into the internet realm. My bedroom is now the beer garden. I will be taking you through hours of tunes for the next few Sundays. this residency was to try and put a focus on diversifying the vinyl decks, giving airtime to music from across the world, and refusing to give a Eurocentric or westernised focus to all of the music being played. More importantly, I want this to be an opportunity to create and provide context and information about the music playing, so that listeners can come into this knowing what they're hearing, where it's from, and get some little golden nuggets about all the cultural, social, and historical intricacies behind all of this. Which finally I think has been a bit of a dream come true for this new radio opportunity. Shot of me grabbing your beer at the tote and giving you an earful of knowledge on your Friday night. I think this is actually a pretty perfect plan for me to do what I had first intended. So for the next few hours, sit back, relax, and we're going to be starting our journey today with a trip over the ocean, landing us in Japan. as we get there you will be listening to Takashi Kokubu's The Lyric Gem A Dream Sails Out to Sea which was originally recorded in 1987 was originally composed to soundtrack a high-end air conditioning advertisement the album was meant to for the consumer transport this potential buyer into a paradise far away from the heat and hurry of urban life and this taps into a huge field of environmental music that followed was recently reissued by light in the attic a few years ago light in the attic also made a really wonderful compilation album titled japanese ambient environmental and new age music from the periods of 1980 to 1990 and this was a pretty seminal work in the 21st century for documenting Japan's minimal ambient and avant-garde music scene which is often more collectively termed environmental music or kankyo ongaku a lot of this environmental work stemmed from inspirations around the 70s from Brian Eno's ambient music, Eric Satie's furniture music. This became a bedrock of inspiration for Japanese artists creating music for spaces, 
and really allowed musicians to tap into soundscape design and architectural acoustics, which meant a lot of these performances really relied on public or private spaces and the way people were interacting with the space. This also came at a really handy time in the 80s where the Japanese economy was booming and there were a lot of artist grants or money given out to allow artists to really have free reign and do a lot of very avant-garde and otherwise unforeseeable things, allowing a lot of traditional instrumentation to start to get picked up with modern technology, including a lot of synths.
by Yoshiaki Ochi. I'm now going to have a little diversion to talk about an instrument of note for me. This is the shakuhachi flute, which is both used in Japanese and Chinese instrumentation. It's an end-blown bamboo flute. They started out by being used by Zen Buddhist monks who used the flute as a spiritual tool each song that the monks would play would have pacing according to the player's breathing, and playing the flute was thus considered a type of meditation. The monks or priests that would usually play these flutes used it as a form of what they called blowing meditation, which was a kind of offshoot from the earlier form of sitting meditation used in Zen Buddhism. This was then popularized by a very public image of monks playing the flute while wearing a large woven basket that covered their head as they went on pilgrimage. And understanding that a lot of this flute playing was used as a form of meditation, I think makes listening to this particular track all the more meaningful. The particular track you are listening to is Honshirabe, composed by Miyata.
Those were two tracks by Hosan Yamamoto with sharps and flats off the album Beautiful Bamboo Flute. We heard first Komoro Mega Uta, followed by Sado Okisa. This album was put out in 1971 and journeys a lot through jazz fusion, soul, and the use of big bands while also showing some more contemporary uses of the bamboo flute. Hosan Yamamoto is considered a living national treasure by the Japanese government. This album was one of the first examples of a big band. They formed in 1951 
and were at the forefront of popularizing jazz in Japan after World War II. He was a very innovative character in using flute lines as melody over the top of some more jazz and groove bass lines. And we're now listening to Sadeo Watanabe, Pace Ages, also put out in 1971, which was obviously a fruitful time to be a jazz musician in Japan. Watanabe plays alto sax, soprano sax, and flute. He's known a lot for his use of bossa nova in Japanese jazz. He's also pumped out 13 albums. We are going to now take another track from him. This one is called Ride On.
by Minoru Murayoko. Before that, we heard the track Watashi Tulu Nano Ona. That one was by Riko Eiki, who was a Japanese actress, singer, and entertainer. Actually, most famously known for her role in action and erotic films, known as pink films in Japan. Before we widen our gaze to some other genres, of which there are many to choose from when investigating the music of Japan. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk once more about jazz in Japan. And to do so, I'm going to read a short segment for a piece I wrote for VoiceWorks in 2019. Jazz first voyaged itself across the Pacific Ocean to Japan among the ammunition and perishables of American warships. Cargoed between the 40,000 American troops serving in World War II, these ships carried with them the seedlings of a musical style completely foreign to Japanese culture. The occupying soldiers sought for themselves Western music and entertainment reminiscent of what they had back home and having either insufficient talent or number to perform amongst themselves, the military hired Japanese musicians to perform American jazz standards for them. At this point, there was no interest in native Japanese instrumentation or traditional song. What the military wanted was the sound of their home country, and they wanted it pretty much untouched. However, in 1927, Osaka government officials banned jazz in Japan. This was because... Municipal councils interpreted the flourishing of jazz into popular culture as evidence of American patriotism successfully infiltrating into Japan. The genre was thus dubbed enemy music and all jazz dance halls were swiftly shut down. This happened to be a rather powerful way of providing jazz with the power it needed to snowball into something completely explosive in the music scene in Japan. Its criminalization rocketed the genre from its servitude as military soldier songs to an underground illegal sensation. Now there was appeal not only in its secrecy and rebellion, but as a malleable art form waiting to be sculpted. In order to overthrow its controversial qualities and re-legalize its performance, Japanese musicians began to strip jazz of its Americanness and, laid bare and vulnerable, began to rebuild an innovative and singularly Japanese sound of their own. Therefore germinated with ancient Japanese folk songs, native melodies, traditional instrumentation, differing harmonic and melodic scales, these roots all began a very slow and elegant growth around the backbone of jazz standards, weaving together what we can now see as a new genre of Japanese jazz. This is something you can really see with Watanabe in, and also with Yamamoto, with the beautiful Bamboo Flute album. It's a real work of art in combining jazz fusion with more Western big bands and Japanese instrumentation. We're gonna now take another track by Murioka. This one also put out in 1970, off the album The Positive and the Negative. This one is called Yin and Yang.
Yes, this is a cover of The House of the Rising Sun, again by Marielka. This one is an absolute stinger, please enjoy. Thank you. 
突然そんな日が来たどんよりと曇ったそれでいて少し寒かった初めて来たこの街を方角もわからぬままのろのろ歩く超えた犬の後について
このまま見慣れぬ街を行くまた思いがけなく寂しい旅をしているどんよりと You.、Oh.
Chino, no, 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 no,
the top of that bracket you heard from Maki Asakawa. The track was called Go Go. Maki actually was one of the Japanese jazz musicians who used to sing at US Army bases in 1968. After that we heard from Junko Yagami with the song Sugie no Watashi, that one was put out in 1979. And you're currently listening to The Avenue, a 1987 release by the Katsumi Hori Project. Which brings us to the end of our exploration of Japanese jazz. <laughs> I feel so powerful talking to this music. We're gonna now jump to a musical genre that was occurring in the same time as Japanese jazz was taking off and was really forefronted a lot by the Katsumi Hori project. We're talking about city pop.
City pop is a genre of music in Japan that really took off in the 1970s, with the boom of both the electronics industry and the financial market. During this time, there were a lot of artists creating music with a kind of dual intention one, to reflect the prosperous economy, alongside the technical revolution that had allowed a lot of new synths to come into the genre. The term city pop refers to the fact that this was considered perfect drive music through cruising through the cities of Japan. And I suppose in this way, it maybe compares to the German equivalent of music for the Autobahn. Sort of pulsing bass lines, a lot of really hectic electric guitars, and always pretty sexy, pretty groovy. This genre had about a 20-year boom before it faded with the financial crash of the 90s. I'm going to play a few tracks from the city pop era, starting with the track Fugitive. This one was put out in 1985 by Masaki Omura. Thank you. 
These are two tracks off the album Neuromantic by Yukihiro Takahashi, self-produced album in 1981, featuring his Yellow Magic Orchestra colleagues Harumi Hosono and Ryuchi Sakamoto. Was inspired first by William Gibson's novel Neuromancer, which was itself inspired by the 1980s, which was itself inspired by British fashion movement Neuromantics. We heard first Grand Espar, and are currently listening to Glass.
Music, music, I can hear 
were two tracks by Azumi Kobayashi, put out in 1981 off the album Coconuts High. We heard first Palm Street and then Crazy Love. And we are now listening to the disco tunes of Mihu Fujiwara. Her album California Crisis, this track is called Eyes. I'm not afraid to 
followed by Seychelles Mermaids by Akira Wider and we are currently listening to A Seat for Two of the album Aqua by Hiroshi Sato
the segment today with a track off the album Pocket Music by Tatsuho Yamashita. The track itself is called Pocket Music and was put out in 1986. 
It's been a beautiful meandering journey for the past two hours. Thank you for everyone who tuned in or is listening back. And we will be back next week for another Sonic Adventure.
Thank <laughs> you. 